Well, thank you for being here this morning. Your presence makes a difference. The choice you made to be here this morning makes a difference. And worship team, thank you. Your choice to serve us and to love us as a church by leading us in music has made a difference this morning. It has prepared our hearts to receive the Word of God. You know, I love that last song that we just sang, I Surrender. And you know, music has this thing called a hook, right? It's maybe a a phrase or maybe it's a lick on the guitar. It's something that grabs you and holds you and takes hold of you. And there's that moment in every song where you're like, it's coming. Remember that moment in that song? Here it comes, here it comes. And for me in that song, it's those two words, I surrender, right? That just hook and grab me. Now, I'm no music expert, but I think most songs, all songs have that kind of a hook. And music, I think, is a lot like life, right? Life is full of moments, but some moments matter more than others. You know, life is full of moments, some boring and mundane, right? We've all been there. Some moments are necessary and relevant. Yep, some are silly and nonsensical. But some are truly monumentous and life-changing, okay? I have an image here for everybody today. Does anyone remember this image? Was it life-changing for you? Some no's and some yeses. Okay, you might not be a baseball fan this morning. That's okay. This moment was Joe Carter's home run to win the World Series in 1993. It was a monumental moment for Canadians, even if you don't really like baseball, right? Baseball is full of moments, some boring and mundane, right? You might be the person that would be like, I don't want to watch the four-hour game. I'll fall asleep. Just give me the Jays in 30, right? Or better yet, just give me the, the, the two-minute update. Show me the hits, the home runs, and how many runs were scored. Bottom line, done, right? Some moments matter more than others, but this moment, October 23rd, 1993, as I said, it doesn't matter if you're a baseball fan or not, you probably know of this moment in baseball history. It was monumental. See, life is full of moments, but some moments matter more than others. Some moments have the power to change you. Some moments have the power to redefine you to repurpose you, to reignite your life to hope and joy and love. We all have those moments in your life, right? You've maybe had a few of them. Maybe you're thinking of one in your mind right now. Maybe it was that moment that you finally got up the courage to ask her the question. Maybe it was the moment that she said, yes. Maybe it was the moment where you finally accomplished something that you had been working so hard at for years. Maybe it was that moment that that prayer that you had been praying finally got answered. Maybe it's that moment that you held your newborn child for the first time. I don't know what those moments are for you, but some moments are more important and more monumental and more life-changing than others. They're precious to us. They're valuable to us. For many of us, maybe we're still waiting for that moment. Maybe you're still praying for that moment. You're searching for that moment. You're longing for that moment and that opportunity to present itself. But what 
what if you miss it? What if that moment comes and that moment goes and you miss that moment? Isn't that some of humanity's deepest fears is that those big life-changing moments would come but that we would miss out on them, that they would pass us by, that we would miss life's greatest moments and life's greatest opportunities. See, the thing is in life, you always need to be ready, okay? Another baseball thing. I'm sorry. I coached Gabriel's rookie ball team this year. One thing I keep telling the fellas over and over and over again is you've got to be ready, especially when you're playing the field, right? You've got to be in ready position. You've got to have your glove on. That helps. And you've got to have it ready to receive the ball, right? And you always have to be watching the batter. You've got to be ready because you never know when the ball is going to come to you. But let's face it. Life in left field can sometimes be a little bit boring. And the dandelions are just ripe for the picking. And you set your glove down for a moment and you start to make a bouquet of weeds. When all of a sudden, crack, the ball is coming to you. You've done a great job of weeding, right, Peter? You got a bouquet of weeds in your hand but your glove's on the ground and the Paul's coming, you're going to miss your moment to shine in left field. You're not going to be able to make the play. Always be ready because you don't know what's going to happen next in life. We don't always know when those big moments in life are going to come, do we? You can never be fully prepared for them. Our days come and our days go. We get up and we do a routine and we go about our days sometimes with monotony. But what if today is that day? Remember we sang that song? What if today is that day? What if this morning is that morning or this afternoon is that afternoon? What if this moment is that moment that's going to make a difference forever in your life? What if? Well, not likely, you might say. And if that's your answer... Well, you might be playing in the left field of life, my friend, picking the dandelions. You've got to be ready because one moment, one decision, one choice can change absolutely everything in your life. I want us to turn today to a passage of Scripture together where one such moment happens in the Bible. Well, there's thousands of moments where this happens in the Bible because God is in the business of changing lives and changing the world. And um, let's take a peek into this. It's found in the book of Mark. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 16 to 20. Let me give you a little bit of background. It's a, it's a time of new beginnings here, okay, in Mark chapter 1. Jesus is gathering his first disciples. This is what we're going to read about, okay? He's been baptized by John the Baptist, okay? Jesus has been baptized. He's gone into the desert where he's been tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights to abandon his purpose and his mission as Messiah, as Savior of the world. But he's come through those 40 days. But now he hears, he gets news that John the Baptist has been arrested. So Jesus actually begins his ministry. He picks up the torch and he begins teaching people about the kingdom of God, okay? So this is what's happening when Jesus calls his first disciples. It's the start of something brand new, okay? So let's read it together. Mark first, uh, sorry, Mark chapter one, 
16 to 20, you can follow along on the screen there um, or in your Bibles, okay? One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them and said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets, and he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Okay? Now, the first thing I love about this passage is that it just says, one day as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, right? Just imagine Jesus out for a little morning stroll along the beach, right? Um... What's Jesus doing? Is he just going out for a little morning walk? Is he having some prayer time? Is, you know, he's just one day, he's walking along the beach, right? Like he'd done probably many times before. He'd walked that shore, okay? He sees two brothers, Simon, who we all know as Peter, right? Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, who were fishing. Well, we know they did that every day because they were fishermen, Okay, so this day would have started like every other day for them, up at the crack of dawn, probably even before, sleepily getting dressed, hoping your shirt's on the right side out, right? Eat some breakfast, eyes half open, right? Get out there to the boat, get out on the water, do some fishing, day in, day out. This is what they do. This day was just like countless other days that they had lived before this moment. It was their job to do this. But in the middle of their everyday, ordinary life, an opportunity came knocking. And that opportunity was Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And Jesus calls out to them, right? We don't know the full passage, right? Or we don't know everything that was said, but we get the the, the bare bones of it. Jesus says, hey, guys, come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. Okay, does that even make sense? Right? Like we know, looking back on it, what Jesus is talking about. But think about being a fisherman and saying, hey, come on, guys, I'll show you how to fish for people. Well, it's a bit creepy. Might sound a little bit, there's something fishy about this offer. Sorry for the pun. Um, What does that even mean, to fish for people? Well, it might sound weird to us, but it somehow didn't seem weird to them because what did they do? They left their nets at once and followed him. Did they hate fishing that much? I don't know, okay? But this was a life-changing moment for them, and they were ready. They were ready. They left their nets at once and followed him. This was the moment that they had been waiting for, the moment that they knew would change their lives forever to fill them with greater purpose and greater passion than ever before. And as I said, they were ready because some moments matter more than others. And this sermon series that I'm starting this morning and John's going to finish up over the next couple of weeks is called Street Talk. It's about sharing our faith with others. We know that the Bible tells us that we should be doing this. But how exactly do we do it? How, you know, we know how to talk about Jesus at church because people speak our language here, okay? They know what we're talking about. But what about in our neighborhoods? What about on the streets, at work, in our communities? What is it that made these fishermen drop everything and follow Jesus? 
What is it that is so compelling about Jesus and this offer to come and fish for people that would leave them to drop everything that they know, to leave everything of their life and follow Jesus? If we could understand that, maybe it would help us know how we should be talking about Jesus to people in the streets. Well, this morning I want to key in on the, the response of the brothers to Jesus' calling because I think we're going to get some good information here, some good insight into what God's calling means for our lives, what the gospel means and why we should be sharing it, right? The brothers' response is simple, right? It's threefold. They, one, left their nets, two, at once, and three, they followed him. So firstly, they stepped out. Okay, here's my first point. They stepped out of what they knew and they began a new life following Jesus. This is a clear picture of faith, right? This is salvation. This is what each and every one of us must do. We step out of our old life and we step into our new life, trusting Jesus and following Jesus. We're forgiven of things past and we're led into things future. As I mentioned last week, God's love always leads us out of something that's holding us back and leads us into something that is holding our future. It's a calling and it's a promise. And the question is, will we be ready when the time comes to make that choice, to step out of all we know and to follow Jesus? Remember the story in the Bible of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? The Bible tells us that he, two things about him. He had lots of money, but he also followed the commandments, right? So he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to gain eternal life? This was really important to him, as it is to everybody, right? What is the key to life? Life full, abundant, and eternal. What is the key to eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, you know, obey the commandments. Love your um, neighbor and, and, and don't commit murder and don't commit adultery and, you know. The rich young ruler says, great, all these things I've done since I was a little kid, I'm good, right? I'm a good person. But Jesus takes it a step further. He says, it's not just being a good person because it's not just about in following me and being my disciple. It's not just about what you don't do. Oftentimes, it's more actually important about what you do do, right? And so Jesus says, one more thing I ask of you. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. The rich young ruler's response, he walked away. He walked away sad and disappointed because the Bible says he had great wealth. Now, the problem was not his money. The problem was that he loved his money more than he loved Jesus. He did not step out of what he knew and trusted and follow Jesus. The opportunity of a lifetime came to him and passed him by. He missed it. But Simon and Andrew, James and John, this was their moment, and they did not miss it. They left everything that they knew. They stepped out in so much faith and they simply followed Jesus beyond any fear of what that meant, beyond any uncertainty of what was surely to come in the days ahead, beyond any ridicule that they might have faced for that choice. They made the choice to step out. Step out over fear, 
right? Because it's often our fear that holds us back from the biggest moments in life, isn't it? Fear holds our feet back when God is calling us forward. Fear is full of questions, but faith is still moving forward in the face of questions. One of the biggest fears I think people have in their life is in sharing their faith with others, right? We can be fearful of that. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know everything. What if they ask me questions and I can't answer them? What if... And fear creeps in. Well, if you knew everything, if you had all the answers, you wouldn't need your faith, would you? This is the basis of it, okay? So as I said, fear is not, our faith is not the absence of questions, but faith is moving forward in the face of those questions. Okay, these fishermen turned evangelists. Do you think they knew what it really meant to fish for people in that moment? No, they had a lot to learn. Did they know fully what it would cost them? Probably not. They didn't even know half of it. But they also didn't know that along the way of following Jesus, they would see the lame walk. That they would see the sick healed. They didn't know that Jesus would feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And they didn't know that it would all seemingly end on a Roman cross. They certainly didn't know that a death on a Roman cross would ultimately end with an empty tomb three days later. They did not know everything, but still they stepped out in faith. They stepped out over their fears, and they followed Jesus. And I think sharing our faith is like that. It's a risk, sure. It's a step into the unknown, but it's also filled with amazing stories and unforeseen ways of God being at work in your life and in the lives of others. John has said so many times from this pulpit, if you forfeit the risk, you forfeit the miracle, right? If you never step out, it's going to be hard for you to see God at work, doing what God does best, saving the lost. So why not step out? Why not risk? Why not follow Jesus? Why not fish for people? So the brothers, they step out, but they step out at once. This is the second thing. They step immediately. They didn't think about it for a while. They didn't weigh the pros and cons. They just were ready for their moment, and they stepped into it immediately. They made a decision right there on the spot. They left their nets. They left their father in that moment, okay? I'm going back to Joe Carter here, okay? Do you know how much time a batter has in Major League Baseball to make a decision on whether they are going to swing or not at a fastball. What do you think their decision time is? It's a split second. Almost exactly right, Isabel. It's less than half a second from the time the pitcher releases that to, am I going to swing? And you know what? If you never swing the bat, you're never going to hit the ball. That's true about baseball. And it's true about life. Right? You don't always have the time to wait and weigh the pros and cons. You just have to step out immediately and swing at it and make an attempt. Less than half a second. These brothers, they left what they knew, fishing for fish, and they left it immediately to follow Jesus and to fish for people. 
whatever that meant. There's an account in the Bible of a man named Philip and an Ethiopian who was reading his Bible who couldn't understand it. And Philip shared with him and explained to him the scriptures. And this Ethiopian believed in the kingdom of God, believed in Jesus. And then the Bible says that this Ethiopian saw a pool of water and said, hey, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And Philip said, well, you believe, so nothing. Let's do it. And right there on the spot, the Ethiopian was baptized. You know, because sometimes in life when you know something is right, when you know God is at work, why not move and step out immediately and trust him? Well, it can sometimes be this thing called procrastination, right? We've got to step immediately over procrastination. And some of us struggle with procrastination more than others. And there's a very, very good reason for that. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you later. <laughs> Sorry, another, another bad joke. I won't. Do you know why we procrastinate? Do you know why you procrastinate? I procrastinate? Because when we procrastinate, it makes it easier now, but it makes it harder later. It's generally speaking, but generally true, Right? Oh, I got a paper due on Monday. Well, I got the weekend. I got the whole weekend. But you end up cramming an all-nighter Sunday night to get that paper done when you procrastinate. Makes it harder, right? Oh, all those little jobs around the house, I'll get to them. I'll, I'll do them Saturday. And then Saturday comes, and I have to do everything on Saturday. It makes Saturday harder. We procrastinate when we have a heart to tell people about Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our families, at work. But we procrastinate. We say, well, I'll tell them later. I've got time. It doesn't, it's not right right now, and I'll, I'll wait till later. I'll... But do you? Do you have more opportunities? We all know those stories, we hear those tragedies, those unexpected things that happen, and we always thought we'd have tomorrow, we'd always thought we'd have another opportunity, but that tomorrow never comes, or that opportunity never comes, and we've missed it. You know, stepping out tells us we don't need to know everything, right? But stepping immediately tells us you don't need to do it all at once, but you do need to do something, okay? You don't need to invite your neighbor over and back the gospel dump truck up, and just like Genesis to Revelation, beep, beep, and just unload over, over burgers, right? You can just have the burgers and just start a conversation, right? You don't have to do it all at once, but you do have to do something, right? Imagine you see a friend in the storefront, or, or sorry, a, vi- a gift for your friend in a storefront window, It'd be perfect for them. They'd really, really love it, and their birthday's coming up. But I'll come back and buy it for them tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, you walk by the shop, you see the gift, it's in the window, but you say, ah, I'm going to wait till it comes on sale. And you keep waiting, and you keep waiting, and then it's your best friend's birthday, and you panic because you don't have a gift, and you run to the store, but that gift is no longer in the window. And actually, you look at your watch, and the party's already started, and you're missing it. You don't need to do everything all at once, but you do need to do something because here's the truth. Your friend cannot receive a gift from you that you never give them. 
okay? No one can receive something in your life or from you that you have never given them. So you don't have to do it all at once, but you have to do something, okay? So stepping out, immediate, stepping out and stepping out immediately. Thirdly, the brothers stepped towards Jesus. They followed him, right? And we need to step towards they left their nets at once and followed Jesus. And it starts with a step along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. That first step was at the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The way forward always involves a first step. Okay? For these fishermen, the step towards Jesus, as I said, started on the shore of Galilee. And it led them to unbelievable places where there was a crucified Savior, but a risen Lord. You know, the same is true for us when we step out and we share our faith with others. We're members at um, the Forest Edge Community Pool up the way. That's where we take the kids at day camp for swimming, too. And, and at day camp, and, and every year, they run the kids through a swim test. And the swim test is simple. You've got to make it from the shallow end to the deep end without stopping, okay? And if you can do that, you can swim in the deep end, okay? And I remember doing a similar test as a kid. I don't know if you do, but I remember if you're in the shallow end and you're looking at the deep end, it's so far away. It can be a daunting task to think, I have to swim from here to there without stopping. So we grip the edge of the pool. And you know, insecurity is something we all struggle with as well. But when you step towards security in Christ, you've got to step towards or step over those insecurities that you might have about what it means. And you've got to trust, okay? The swim test, do you know the secret to the swim test? Just swim. <laughs> One stroke at a time. You've got to start. You're not going to make it there by just taking a big jump off the edge and making it or one big push off the wall. You just have to start swimming, and you've got to put one arm in front of the other, and you've just got to keep going, one stroke at a time. Getting over our insecurity is the same way, right? Insecurity always wants to keep us on the edge of life, gripping the edge of the pool, and keep us away from the deep, deep waters. But God is calling us to more. God is always calling us to the deep, deep things of life. And we won't get there if we're full of insecurity and mistrust. And I know it's hard, but we've got to let go and we've just got to start following Jesus one step at a time, putting one foot in front of the other. You know, I once worked with a man who described evangelism as being a link in a chain. That's how he described it. Think of those chain links, right? Think of the, a bunch of eights all, all lined up, right? A link in a chain. He said, sharing the good news with someone may not be the final link that connects someone to Jesus for eternity, but it will certainly be a link in the chain that gets them closer to making that final connection. A chain is nothing without each individual link along the way. On their own, each link may not seem that important. But when you put them all together, they create something that can anchor you, that can secure you 
to the greatest anchor your life can ever know in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But it's going to be a lot of links along the way to make that happen. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to them, he clarifies this, that really it's all God's work anyway, right? The chain is God's. We're the links in the chain. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul, right? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but big things always come after buts in the Bible. (laughs) But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters really is anything but only God who makes things grow. Why are we so insecure sometimes in sharing our faith? Because really, it's not us who's going to change someone's life forever. It's God who's going to change someone's life forever. But we need to give them what we have, the hope we have in God, the hope we have in Christ. So what's required of us when opportunity comes to share the good news of Jesus Christ in our world? Well, first we need to step out and trust Jesus. We need to step immediately, not let opportunity pass us by. But we also need to step towards Jesus, trusting that he's the one who's doing the real work of transformation in our lives and in the lives of others. But, you know, I failed to answer the basic question that we asked at the very beginning of this passage. Do you remember what it was? What was it that made these fishermen leave their security of their job, everything they'd ever known, to simply follow Jesus? What was so compelling about Jesus that they would do that? Well, this morning I want to suggest just one simple word. It's the word freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, freedom is a wonderful thing. And true freedom is only found in Jesus. The fishermen knew this. Well, how do we know? It was Jesus calling to them. It was that strange phase, phrase, sorry, I will show you how to fish for people. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Jesus knew what he was doing when he spoke these words to those fishermen. He was filling their hearts with hope. Big H, hope. He was filling their spirits with a vision of the future, a future beyond slavery and oppression. You see, Jesus wasn't just strolling along the Sea of Galilee that day. He was on a mission. He was starting a revolution, one that would bring the kingdom of God to the world in a way that it had never yet experienced or known. To understand this, we have to back up a few verses in Mark and read verses 14 and 15, okay? So I got them here. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news And listen to the message. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe 
the good news. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. He'd gone into the desert for 40 days and was tempted by the devil. John was arrested. By who? Remember, Rome was still in power. The Jewish people were still captive in their own land. They were waiting for their Savior, one who would free them from oppression and slavery for good. As John is arrested by Herod, Jesus then picks up the torch and he begins preaching this good news that the kingdom of God is near. It's right here. Repent of your sins and believe. And so this message that Jesus is preaching and this calling to these fishermen was a call to a revolution. It was a call to a band of brothers to come and help bring the kingdom of God into people's lives, will give them hope and joy and peace and love and freedom like they have never known or never experienced before. But it only happens if you follow me. They left everything because nothing is more compelling Nothing is worth living for and nothing is worth dying for more than freedom. As fishermen, Peter and Andrew, James and John would have known exactly what you do with your catch of fish. You catch fish in order to kill them. You catch fish in order to make a living and to eat and to just survive. But fishing for people? That's different. And catching people has nothing to do with killing. It has everything to do with life and freedom and hope. You catch them in order to set them free, to set them on a course in their life to the best life possible, full of freedom and hope in the kingdom of God. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. May we never, ever forget that. And may it always be our message because there's no greater message to a world broken and still full of slavery to sin than a message of freedom in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, it is truly in you that we find our freedom. It's in you that we find our hope. I pray that you would fill us with your love to the top, right to the top, above and beyond our own capacity to, to fully receive it so that our love would spill over. No, 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 it's your love so that your love would spill over from our lives and into the lives of those around us. Give us the freedom that we need to take your message of hope to the streets. Give us the strength to reflect on your love. Give us the wisdom to always be pointing, not to ourselves, but to you as our only hope of salvation. We thank you this morning for the freedom that we have in you as your people, the freedom that we have to live the best life possible as we learn how to follow your leading step by step by step, by step. We love you, Lord God. We are your people. 
And as you are faithful, I pray that we too would be faithful. In the name of Jesus, who calls us to bring forth his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we pray these things. Amen.